Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you not entertained? Welcome to History in Technicolor, everybody. It is me, and it is... Me, Wolf O'Neill. Excellent. So, uh, we are here to discuss a new movie. But before we do, Wolf, Mm -hmm. can I ask you, obviously, since we recorded the last episode, we've been away together uh, on FAMI. Yeah. Can I ask you if you've recovered from your experience with the Italian toll booths? Uh... No, I haven't. I saw a toll booth in a movie a few weeks ago, and I found it quite stressful. Um, I have to say, we haven't stopped laughing yet. Also, um, I was talking again about how Bologna is cursed, because in the context, I accidentally drove almost two hours the wrong way north to Bologna when I was meant to be going south from Florence. But the context of why it's cursed is Iron Maiden's concert in Bologna got cancelled due to lightning strikes. No! The other night. That is spooky. Mm. Yeah. I must admit, I'm so impressed with the fact that you drove two hours in the wrong direction. 180 degrees in the wrong direction. You know. And and the whole time I kept going, I don't recognise anything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. uh, So, obviously, very traumatic. So, today we are gathered together to uh, talk about a film called Lagan. And I am going to tell you why... We are selecting said film. And there are they are dirty, grotty reasons in the main, except for one. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the reason is that the most popular movie by far, which I think we may have mentioned before, on in history and technicolor, is Bajiri Mastani. Okay? So in a cynical attempt to win listenership, we have decided to go for another Bollywood movie, Lagan. Okay? Mm-hmm. That is the dirty reason. The other issue about Lagan, apart from the fact that it's a dirty reason, but cynical um, market-grabbing reason, is that it is an actual historical movie, turns out. Now, to be fair to me, I thought it was, you know, because it was on a list of historical movies. And, you know, I always believe what I read on the interweb. Yep. But it's not really. 
I mean, it's kind of set in a historical context, I suppose, in the the Raj. But uh, anyway, so those are the apologies over. The good reason mm-hmm. is that when we went to Italy together on Fami, mm-hmm. we said, we happened to say, oh, we were thinking of doing Lagan. And Craig said, oh, how many times have I watched Lagan? It's a great movie. So, you know, cool. Good reason for doing it. Yeah. And based on Craig's recommendation, we have uh, we've chosen That's- to do it. So if you're listening, Craig, it's all your fault. Okay, I'm going to start off with a question for you, Wolf. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, what do you think of the Bollywood format? Um, I don't know a lot. Um, I have only seen a handful of movies, and that's being generous. I was going to recommend, and technically this is the movie I'm about to recommend. It's a Tollywood movie, which I've only just learned about, um, which is from another segment of India. Tollywood. Yeah, it's from um, Telugu Cinema. So it's Tollywood. Telugu Cinema, It's right. like you get Nollywood, which is in Nigeria. Um, okay. And they're just different film industries. Um, but this Tollywood movie is called RRR, and it's on Netflix, at least in the UK, and I think in America. Um, and it's one of the smash hits of the year. It's incredible. I would highly recommend it. I think everyone would enjoy it. What's it called again? It's called R-R-R. Just ah, the letter three so, times. Well, I have an idea. Why don't we start a, a, a Luffwood um, industry? You know, we could have Loughborough singing, dancing routines. Would it be called that Lo- sort of thing. Because, you know, they sing and dance in Loughborough. Would it be called Lollywood? Well, Lollywood. Excellent. Lollywood it is. <laughs> that would be great. Okay, but yes, generally, what do you think? Do you like it or are you just doing it for duty's sake? No, I honestly, the few films I watched, I have loved. I just think the experience is so enjoyable. There's a level of excitement and passion and just fun that I feel is kind of unrivaled. And yeah, the movies are generally long, but I don't notice it. They've just got so much packed in and they're just having such a fun time. And it's so different from a lot of what we're watching every week or you know just whatever's coming out of the cinema and it's just i don't know i just i'm beaming from ear to ear every time i watch one well i am entirely of your mind i think they're great fun there's enormous energy and it's absolutely incredible i just love the music singing and dancing is great yeah so not sure i could watch it all the time but i don't actually want to anyway so we're both fans of uh lollywood uh well i'm not sure loughborough would do the singing and dance quite so well actually so Shall I tell you about the film that we're going to listen to talk about today? Please do. It is called Lagan. Lagan is actually the name of a tax, which is a traditional tax in India, which was also then bossed by the British Raj. Mm-hmm. It is set in the historic town of Champana in Gujarat, Western India. Again, at the time of the British Raj, I think 1893 is the date. Yep. That, Wolf, is as far as its historical chops go. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've done the history now. Okay. So it is a film that combines a number of different elements. You might want to add to this list if you think I've missed mm-hmm. any. There is David against Goliath. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you guess who the David is and who the Goliath is. It's feel good. It's music and dancing and laughter, just like, you know, the Copacabana. There's a bit of love interest in there. Mm, Tyson. Sport. The Sport Wolf. This is a sports mm. movie. And there is unity against the Imperial Invader. It is 
in summary, a hoot. Yeah. Getting hold of it, by the way, was a bit of a challenge, was it not? So I think you needed to buy the DVD. Okay, but although I think it's on Amazon in the US. I think it's on Netflix in America. I had to buy the DVD ah, twice Netflix. because the first time I bought it secondhand, um, it was split onto two discs and they only sent the second disc. Oh, that's so then I had to get rid of that, get a refund, order it again. Um, but it, okay, but it all let's, not, let's not make problems for the audience, Wolf. It was easy to get hold of, wasn't it? Easy, easy, well, easy peasy. Yeah, easy peasy. Squeeze the lemon. So, okay, it was made in 2001 in the Hindi language, so it's subtitled, was written and directed by Ashutos Gawika. It stars Amir Khan as the hero Bhavan, who actually rejected doing the film three times. Not quite sure why. I thought it was silly. Then he read the script and thought it was great. And it stars Gracie Singh as Gowry. Okay, it was a great success. It was the third highest grossing film, uh, Indian film in 2001. It was nominated for an Oscar, Best Foreign Language Movie. Here is the plot. Basically, the evil British Captain Russell, who is a typical evil British Russell in the all the idioms, tried to force the poor downtrodden Raja of Camp Champana well, the extremely rich, poor, downtrodden Raja of Champna, it must be said, to eat meat and gets into an evil argument with his evil moustache twitching and forces him to charge Lagan, the traditional tax, despite the fact that it has not rained and the villagers cannot pay. First question for you then, Wolf, or second question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being a lot, mm -hmm. how close is Captain Russell to the traditional English public school imperialist bounder, CAD, and general bad egg? And what are the recognisable features of this type? He's incredibly arrogant. Incredibly arrogant. Um, I'm, to answer the first question, uh, let's say a 10. <laughs> a 10, yes. I think that's fair. In fact, I think you may be undermarking it. He's snooty. Snooty is a thing. He has this really annoying smile when things are going his way, which is that shit-eating grin. He's got it. <laughs> Is this, we're now going to have to mark this episode explicit. Let's say no. Um, It'll be a no then. Okay, I absolutely agree with you. So the evil Captain Russell gets into a barney with a Bolshe villager and threatens to triple the Lagan, or he's going to cancel it completely for three years. And for the entire region? If, for the entire region, if the villagers play a weird English game called cricket and win against the Imperial British Invader. That is the setup. One little note. Okay. This all happens because Bavan calls the game silly, and the English take a particular... Um, oh, does he? I, I miss that little nuance. I think it's because he refers to the game as silly, and then they're like, right, that is just... Mm. That's simply not cricket. And um, Yes, that expression does get used. Actually, doesn't he say it's just a game, a gilly-dandy, a children's game in, um, in India? Yeah. So, yes, quite right, too. And nobody insults cricket and gets away with it uh, in England. This is before the time when Ashish Nandi declared in the Tao of Cricket that, and I quote, cricket is an Indian game accidentally discovered by the British, which is one of my favourite quotes of life, actually. So the scene is set then between the humble, honest, brave villagers fighting for freedom against the hated Ferengis. Did you note the use of the word Ferengis? Um, yes, but I'm going to say I don't know what it means. 
Okay. It is apparently rather interesting, actually, as a word. So it means foreigner. Basically, it's an ordinary Indian term for the European. In the 19th century, it was applied especially to the Indian-born Portuguese. So it's a sort of contemptuous word, a foreigner. But interestingly enough, the bit that I found very interesting is it's a derivative of the word pharangi, which is an Eastern word you see in Byzantium a lot of the word for frank. So it's a wonderful little tradition of the word frank being used for Western Europeans in the form pharangi. Anyway, and it obviously made made its way over to India. Hmm? Anyway, I warble. Anyway, one thing leads to another, as you can imagine. The villagers have to learn this weird game. And then, da-da, enter Elizabeth, the beautiful English rose, who thinks her brother, the evil Captain Russell, is a bounder and a cad, and teaches them the rules of the game, including the leg-before-wicket rule, and incidentally, falls in love, though not with the leg-before-wicket rule. (laughs) So, Wolf, Mm -hmm. who did you want to win the game, as if I need to ask? The villagers. The villagers. And I had a problem here, Mm -hmm. uh, Wolf. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that there is a big reveal coming at some point Mm. during this episode, uh, which I will announce. Okay. I I have to say, before I listened to this movie, I struggled with the concept of watching it because in my world, as a deeply patriotic Englishman, Mm -hmm. the English always have to win. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not acceptable in any circumstance for the English to lose. I just want to make that clear. Okay. Is there one exception? And therefore I object, there's no exceptions. Not even in this film, movie. It's an outrage. Oh, oh, plot spoiler. But, I mean, you know. So, I was worried about my personal reaction. But I seem to have managed to survive and still enjoy the movie. So, happy days. And actually, I watched another movie set in Bekwanistan. It had... Anyway, it was about the King of Bekwalasatan and it was all about, you know, the injustice of the British Raj and uh, he married an English woman and all the rest of it. And actually, I watched that and I was totally on their side. So maybe I'm growing up. Maybe I'm acquiring Mm. some maturity. What do you think, Wolf? I'm 58, after all. It's about time puberty hit me. In this movie, it's designed in a way that there's there's only one side that you can ever root for. (laughs) Well, it is true, yes. It's not subtle, is it? No. Subtlety is not its middle name. Yeah, I just I couldn't picture it being done any other way. Um, just nicely kind of caricatured and enjoyable. True, which moves us on to the film as a film, uh, Wolf. Mm-hmm. So the first point is that there is plenty of cricket in this game. Shall I do the big reveal now? Lagan is three hours, 50 minutes long. It was actually originally released at how many hours? Did you read that? No, I don't know. Five and a half? Seven. Oof. Seven. Seven. I wonder how many hours of... Yeah, but I wonder how many hours of cricket that was. Like, how long the final well, game went on for. Given the final game went on for an hour and a half, um, I think they probably concentrated quite a lot about the ball landing outside outside of the line of the wicket and whether that would constitute an LBW decision. You know, I should think that took up a couple of hours. And then maybe you'd get... Since in the film you go through all the various forms of discovery of the various bowling you know you get a googly and a chinaman and uh whatever probably you'd go through all the various kinds of bounces the the leg side approach of body line and that sort of thing you need to go through them all anyway this is so i want to see the seven hour version because that sounds fun yeah history of cricket so there is plenty of cricket in this game are you a fan of cricket wolf 
Um, I don't watch it, but I used to play it a little bit as a child. Right. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I'm not. I'm not opposed to it, and I enjoyed watching it a lot in this film. I right. really enjoyed Very the good. cricket match at the end. The match was fun, wasn't it? And quite tense, anyway. Even though you know, we always knew the answer. So you get the various tropes in the cricket match, actually. So you get the vicious fast bowler. You get evil tricks like running out small boys at the bowler's end. Uh, you get the bouncer. There is sledging in the Australian style of cricket. We discover the googly and the Indian spinner. And, of course, the Indian spinner is an iconic figure in world cricket because the English just can't cope with spinners. Mm. Uh, so we discover that. Um so there's loads of tropes that come up, which, as a cricket fan, I loved. Uh, the natives learn the complexity of the game pretty well because they know nothing at the beginning. Because I say, you know, they just think it's a silly game. And it's got to be said, actually, I was quite surprised that no one seems particularly fussed like arcane rules, like I don't know, the application of the no ball at various critical points in the game. There's no questioning of whether the ball pitches outside leg uh, or any of that kind of stuff. So anyway. It's great. It is not a film of surprises, Wolf. I think you'd agree. Did you? Did anything surprise it you? It surprised me once. Did it? Right at the very, mm. very end of the game. Ah, yes. It did surprise me once with that red herring of like kind of what was going to happen. Right. Remember when uh, they come up to the? It's the very last bat. Oh, is it uh, Kashra? Is 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 it has to bat the very last time? Yes. And there's five. What do they say? There's five to go. Anyway, it was yes. at that point I was like, "Oh, okay, this is the." Then it all went like, "This is the final, final bat of the game." And then, of course, there's one more that comes afterwards. Yes, okay. And so that was when it got. Yes, that's uh, so actually that sold me a bit of a dummy as well, but I just let it wash over me. Okay, so you know exactly what you're going to get in this film, everybody. It is Ron Seal, not Forrest Gump. But here's what I loved about the movie: the feel good is all over the place. It is dripping in feel good. It's a story of a village and a group of people putting together, sinking their differences, coming round to the idea of a really challenging situation. It's about class, colour, creed all coming together in the face of a common enemy and in the face of adversity. You know, they don't always sugarcoat that. You know, there is some tension and some conflict and some anger in the movie, but it all gets delightfully resolved. The colours are fantastic. The scenery all feels thoroughly authentic. They chose the village carefully, apparently. The, the costumes were created by Barnu Athea, who worked on Gandhi, apparently. Mm. The soundtrack and dancing are absolutely superb. We've already enthused about that. Everything that you expect from Bollywood or indeed Lollywood. Great tunes, upbeat, just a joy. Really loved it. The acting is sort of fine. I mean, you know, we're not talking method, darling, or high art. We're not talking dear, dear Dicky. And it's a bit hammy in places, but it never gets in the way. It's all... You know, it's all absolutely fine. There is a lovely contrast between the stuffy, formal, buttoned-up English in their military uniform and top hats and frock coats, that sort of thing. So you've got on one side, you've got this relaxed, straightforward villagers, which works really well. On the other side, you've got this stuffy, you know, English Raj stuff. Which leads me on to a couple of questions. First of all... How does that, you know, is that what you like? Uh, what what else did you like? I loved every single thing about it. 
<laughs> then. Reasonably unequivocal, then. It should be clear that there are flaws in the movie. It is not a complex movie. Everything kind of works out nicely and gets tied with a bow. I mean, obviously, there's there's no historical truth to it, but also it's completely unbelievable that the British would ever just be like, oh, okay, yeah, your tax is taken away for three years because you've won this cricket game. I just, just no one would allow the game to go ahead. Like, none of this would happen. But I don't care because it's so exciting and it's so fun. I wouldn't say that I'm a huge sports movie fan, but it kind of does everything that a good sports movie should. You've got all the montages of everyone learning how to play the game. It's fun to see everyone slowly... So in the in the movie, nobody wants to join in with Bavan and help play this game. and He's on his own. But then he has to, over the course of like an hour or so, he has to slowly turn all of his like friends and neighbours around and get them to join the team. And that's fun. It's getting the, get, getting the band back together, building a gang ready for a heist. You're kind of having to find everyone with their unique skills um, in all these different scenarios and then put them into the game. Um, it's... Yes, actually, that's true. That's another element, actually, isn't it? The the coming together of the team sort of thing. You know, the storming, norming, forming, bit of the, whatever the bull, bullshit bingo is. You know, the business expression. Uh, yes, there's a lot of that, isn't it? Which is great. Yeah, and they're all so different. And um, it every single one of them has like um, has a profession. So there's like uh, the the drummer, the like a potter. There's a there's the poultry farmer. And they mm. have all their different... There's a carpenter, I guess. They have all these kind of different professions. And then they work out how each of those jobs um, suits you to a different position within the team. And then they start c- yeah. crafting this team of 11. Um, it's just really fun. The, the, the musical numbers are excellent. That first rain dance, like, I'm completely yes. swept up. And when the clouds turn away, I was, it got me. I didn't expect that was going to happen. I don't... It seems yes, silly. devastated. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah, it just... And then it rains at the end, which is, you know, kind of like the perfect culmination of the whole thing, isn't it? The movie is gives you everything, like all those kind of um, those peaks and those troughs. You're with all the characters the whole way through. Throughout the game, I'm on the edge of my seat. Um, you just want to jump up and cheer at the end. Like, it does feel like you've watched a really good live sporting event that you've been a part of, and you've been cheering for the underdog. The underdog element to it is obviously aids the story immensely because there's no question about whose side you're on ever. And then when you can see when things are turning, that the tide is turning and you, I, I just loved it in a way that I really didn't think that I would. Yeah. Very good. It's great. I mean, there's another trope actually in that Mm -hmm. as well, which is the enthusiastic Indian cricket crowd, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. very interesting. It was a lot of fun. How one one side of the pitch you've got all these uh you know these indian enthusiastic indian um supporters whooping and cheering and all the rest of it as indian cricket crowds do and the other side you've got all the guys in the pavilion you know the english people sitting with sipping their cups of tea and the women all buttoned up you know making oh i say probably good shot you know and that sort of thing i did it's a real they really play that trope for all it's worth um did you believe that the like British High Command would appreciate the game of cricket so much that even when they're going to lose their bet um, and the whole region is going to stop being taxed, 
that they would continue to um, politely commend the opposing team for how well they've played cricket. Of course. <laughs> okay. So this was obviously clearly this was a major concern. Um, and I, you know, I had a, I have a question around this about how the British came out of the movie. But from my point of view, you know, I was delighted that, um, you know, that I don't think they come out of it that badly. I mean, obviously, Captain Russell is the evil villain of doom, and it is as a film, it's satisfyingly anti anti imperialist, but in a way that is relatively gentle. You know, this is not an angry film. Um, it clearly makes the point that they don't want the Brits there and they don't want, they don't like them. They want them to get rid of them. They see them as parasites. So, you know, there's no, there's no, oh, this is great for India um, thing. But on the other hand, you know, it's not in your face in a terrible way. Um, yeah, it does pull so its somebody like me was, Yeah, I was perfectly able to enjoy it. Um, and it includes some sort of love across the barricades thing. And, of course, as a historical record, um, there is the way the, the English are treated. So I'll leave that, mm. you know, when we talk okay. about history. Okay, and I'll come back to it. How did you think the British came out of the movie? Well, first of all, I wasn't too critical because the movie is... Um, it's clearly meant to be so entertaining, and that's its primary goal, that even though it has this kind of um, political context and it clearly has one view, which is, you know, as you said, they shouldn't be there. Um, it's not, um, it's not a political movie. And as such, it kind of wants to have fun. And um, that's why you get all those scenes later. Like, do I believe that he's, there's just this one bad character, this like one bad egg and that everyone else is kind of a little bit more reasonable and that maybe there are some things that are like working at you um, and that they'll just like get rid of this one problem and they'll support the villagers and, and cheer them on when they win. No, I don't believe any of that would happen. Um, the one bad egg probably isn't going to be that extreme and then everyone's going to be kind of in control. Anyway, um, it adds to the enjoyment of the film. I thought it was very comedic and... I laughed a lot every time. Um, they'd all be like, oh, good show. Oh, absolutely incredible yes. batting. Huh. Yes. And uh, I just think that it's um, it's the tone of the movie. It's that, like, family movie. Hmm. And I can picture the absolutely packed cinemas across the country. Um, everyone there to have this great time. And it's, yeah, it's not going to be the kind of... A, it would be a totally different film if it wanted to deal with a lot of these yeah. issues. So I'm not going to judge it for that. So I say the British kind of come off like, okay. Yes. Um, and then another supplementary question mm -hmm. raised by a previous comment you just made. What is, so you're not that keen on sports movie. What is the greatest sports movie ever made? The greatest sports movie ever made. So the alarm went off because I asked you a question I hadn't asked before. Um, that was the time running out. I had, had to make a decision. decision. Yeah, it's too late. My mind is blank. The the only two sports movies I could think of. Well, you'll probably say Chariots of Fire, but um, the no. Well, I don't hate Chariots it. Of Fire. I mean, yeah, it's a good movie. I like Chariots of Fire, but it's not my favorite. Not my favorite. Okay. The only one I could think of was the like British remake of like The Longest Yard, 
which was Mean oh, Machine. Yeah. Oh, what, the Mean Machine with Burt Reynolds? Playing football in is the that prison. Burt Reynolds? Oh, no, wait, okay. There's the Burt Reynolds Mean Machine, and then there's like a two, early oh, 2000s really? one, where Jason Statham is the goalie. And, it's got, and Vinnie Jones is the lead. Ah, oh, excellent. Well, any film with Vinnie Jones in, of course, is great. And, and Pete Pothaway is the old man who gets killed. Ah, oh, Pete Pothaway. Is, is he in every movie? Uh, every is there ever movie. a movie ever been made that doesn't have Pete Pothaway in it somewhere? I'm going to give you my shout. You will give you a little bit more time to, to think. Uh, I think The Natural with Robert Redford, that's a, that's a good movie, isn't it? Mm, do you like that? Interesting. Oh, I, I, have, I don't that think movie. I've seen it. Ah, it's a good movie. You want to see it? Well, I was going to ask you, because I won't be able to come up with an answer. Okay. That's all right. I think, I think the trouble is I find most sports movies leave me... They're just kind of so unbelievable, and everything's kind of neatly tied in a bow at the end, and they're quite predictable. What's so enjoyable about actual sport is the like uncertainty of like what's to come. Yes, that's because that's when true. And that, when that underdog's like, victory happens... It doesn't feel like it's being like um, carefully choreographed for like an audience response. It just kind of happens, and you suddenly realise that you're in something when you weren't expecting it. And I think it's almost impossible to recreate that in like a fictional world compared to like when it just happens live. Um, so this is not to say that sports movies shouldn't. Yeah, but exist. it is true that they're a little bit predictable. The, the natural was, yes. Yeah, so, so another question: What's the greatest sporting event? Um, well, yeah, what's your greatest sporting event? Um, That's a difficult question, isn't it? It is. The trouble is we're, we're completely different. Like, um, So I can get on board with any sporting event, especially in the context. If you're in a room and everyone's going crazy and you can, f- and the commentator's like, this hasn't happened in 50 years. Like, yes. you, you quickly, you, you can start to get on board with any story because somebody is overcoming some some odds. Somebody is achieving some form of legacy even if they've continually win because they're going to win more times than anyone else so i can always enjoy like any scenario to an extent but the sport that i watch is american football and i did watch that in the 80s and that's the sport that i like am involved in like coaching and supporting on the sidelines and so when i'm helping the kids that i coach play those games like that's i'm on the edge of my seat i can't can't control myself. Yeah, so that's the thing about um, sport, isn't it? It doesn't matter what, what, how irrelevant the match is. So one of my favourite events, and I have no idea what competition it was, I think it was the first division, but it was in the 70s. I think it was Villa 3, Everton 2. The best match I've ever seen. I have no idea what it was, but it was played on a muddy pitch in the middle of winter, you know, back in the 70s when, you know, the pitches are completely different. They're just mud patches. Um, fantastic. On the other hand, you know, there are things, because I'm now going to answer my own question, which is the reason for me asking you, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's got a, there are things like, I don't know, England 5, Germany 1, England 4, but Holland 1. Um, mm-hmm. Fred is ashes, but it's got to be the 1981 test against the Aussies, hasn't it? That has got to yeah, be yeah. the greatest thing that has ever happened in history even better than the dissolution of the monasteries you heard it here anyway there you go there's my opinion uh, publicly stated speaking off of off of that just to i guess blow my own trumpet or the trumpet of my players go for it Wolf. 
the last season, because it's that up and down thing, we were playing the team that eventually were the national champions, and they'd beaten us three times already that year, and it was our last time to play them, trying to secure a playoff spot. Um, they're an incredibly tough opponent. Um, we take an excellent lead early on, continue to maintain a good lead. There should be a turnover that keeps us on top, but the refs call what I believe is a completely unjustified penalty. So the turnover's taken away, they score, the game is drawing even, it's ultra-competitive down to the last minute, It's there's like one minute left on the clock, they score again, so now they have a choice. If they go for the one-point conversion, it's a draw. If they go for the two, they can take the lead. It does sound and like they, a film. They, they are arrogant, and they go for the two-point conversion to take the lead. Ah. So, and then they... But... They fail. We managed to stop them because we inter- we intercept them and almost return it down the other end. So now we're up by one point. We're now, admittedly, the last minute is I just have to run the clock down. But your that sounds fantastic. Like that, Dave, that David and Goliath story. You've only ever won like two yeah. games that year. You're playing the team that wins it all. Excellent. And oh, what's it the name comes of, down to that one play. And what's the name of your team? Oh, they're the Brighton and Hove Scorpions. The Brighton and Hove Scorpions. Well, let's hear it for the Brighton and Hove Scorpions, everyone. Round of applause. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, my own personal playing career was had no glories like that in it. I was the captain of the under-16 hockey team, played nine, lost nine, scored one mm. goal in the entire season. So let's move on from that. Did you score that goal? God, no. I, okay. Actually, I asked one of the older boys, I said, we're having this terrible tri- time, I'm captain, I'm having awful time. He said, well, it's not the captain's fault. Who's your centre-half? He said, mm, I am, I said. So, uh, moving on. Uh, so, my little bit about what I didn't like so much about the movie, because I basically agree with you, I, I love the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I, the love interest is a little bit tiresome. Elizabeth, played by Rachel Shelley, is sadly a bit annoying um, and irritating. Yeah, I'm not sure bad. I really believe that bit of it very much. Um, it's very bad. And I don't know. The thing with Gowrie works sort of fine, I guess, but the love interest thing was not the, not the big thing. Um, but that's it. I think the, o- the only thing it's good for is that it, it gives, it's, it's giving Gary's character a little bit more of like um, a journey to go on. Yeah. And there's, yes. There's some. It adds romantic tension rather than just knowing that they'll definitely be together. I think the trouble is, like you say, you don't really buy the third part of the love triangle, and Bavard never really spends much time. In no, a, he's like, completely uninterested and doesn't doesn't you know couldn't <laughs> yeah. even imagine why you know it would be daft you know. And so, the, there's never actually threat involved in the like love triangle. Um, in any like genuine sense, you can tell that the movie wants it to be there, but it doesn't really impact you. Um, and then it just resolves itself exactly as you predict at the yeah. end. Um, so it's yeah, it's fine. I don't I don't hate it, but it's not particularly effective. Okay, should we move on to history then, Wolf? Such yes. as it is. The only thing I wanted to add is, um, did this movie remind you of A Bug's Life? No. It didn't. Next question. Okay. I've never heard um, it. I've never. Well, I don't think I've ever seen a Bug's Life. To be honest. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, okay. I think I probably of... did see it, but I thought it was entirely forgettable as a movie. Okay, then, because Bug's Life is inspired by, I'll say these movies. Right. Maybe you'll know them: Seven Samurai and The Magnificent Seven. No, is that right? Good lord. Well, it must be because 
but what I mean is it's like a classic storyline just done right. over and over and specifically in A Bug's Life <laughs> which is my main reference point but it happens in all of those movies it's a group of villagers who make the food and then a group of like thieves bandits overlords or whatever who come in and in A Bug's Life it's the grasshoppers and they say, you have to pay us uh-huh. this amount of food every year. They're gone. And then, yep, there's an accident and they, they can't meet demand or in a bug's life, they ac- flick accidentally knocks all of the food into the river. Um, and so they're like, we'll come back at the end of the season and you will have given us all of the food again. And they're like, we'll starve if we give it to you. And they're like, do that or we'll like, destroy your anthill. Um, and so they have to come up with a way to fight back, like in Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai, get these fighters in to, you know, scare away the grasshoppers. Um, it's slightly adjusted, but there's another context where you physically have no choice. You cannot pay the tax. Okay, so you're saying uh, you that it's, it's a trope that we're talking here. It's a, it's a type of movie. It, yeah, it's just a, a classic storyline. Right. And then... But what's so great about this movie, and I think it's genuine, even in the context, the cricket game is so tense because it's not just, it's not really about winning. It's a life and death stakes. The village will die if they have to pay triple Lagan. They will not survive. And the region will not survive and people will die. So I think the the stakes are important to mention. Even though it's a, like a kind of a fun cricket game and it's this lighthearted family movie, the the consequences of losing the match are more than just like pride. There are like real life stakes. Um, and then it adds also that you, you really want to embarrass the English. And so I just wanted to mention that. Excellent. Yeah. Very good. So what we're going to do now, Wolf, is we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Should we have any? And we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So moving on to uh, the film as a historical record, not quite sure where to go with mm-hmm. this. I mean, I can confirm that there was a British Empire in India, so tick there. Uh, the Lagan mm-hmm. tax did exist, and the Brits often ruled through the Rajas, I think uh, about two-thirds of India. And although I know very little about it, no doubt this was not an easy relationship. Although, interestingly enough, a, an Indian Raja built a well in one of my local villages here in Stoke Row when hearing about the fact that there is no water, standing water, in the Chilterns. So there was a kind of reciprocal relationship. So, a couple of things we can tick. Clearly, it is accurate as far as the English character is concerned as we started to discuss. So, they might be cads, they might be bounders when it comes to taxation, but they don't cheat in cricket matches. The umpires are utterly impartial, and the crowd applaud politely while grinding their teeth. Okay. You said they don't cheat. Do you, and I know it's not cheating, but when they stump entirely the kid legit. Out, he and I know that crowd. it's entirely legitimate. I mean I know he shouldn't have done it. Sorry, but... entirely legit. 
Okay. No, you might think it's sharp practice, but it's entirely legitimate. Okay, is it legitimate to um, laugh at and bully your opponent? Oh, yes, that's called sledging. So that is the up. Australian style of cricket. Sledging. Okay, and while I, ag- while I agree that that can happen in sport... It's an absolutely standard part of the sport. I played tennis down at Benson, and the guy kept on making fat signals at me. <laughs> okay, that's horrible, and I'm sorry that happened to you, David. <laughs> well, it was in, quite funny, in, actually, and in, we stuffed him. But... Well, that's the yes. best thing about it. But in this context... Oh, don't be such a wuss. The, oh, no, the power dynamic is not it. fair. They're saying to him, you will pay triple Lagan and your family will die. Yeah, always well, just the... And he gets, and he gets so... Act- I mean, we know... Like, oh, that's I'm not there, part like, of the game, Bavana. though, is like, it? Calm down, calm oh, that's down. That's not part of the game. The bit of the game oh, was okay. when they went there... Um, I don't know, there's a bit of sledging, isn't there? Or oh, you're rubbish or whatever. The the setup in terms of the Lagan thing it was obviously an outrage. You know, I'm not going to argue with that bit. I just think that it's only the one side mocking the other. Yes, the other side. We're in a feel really good movie, aren't we? The the barracking during the match is entirely within a sporting context. And let me tell you, okay, the Indians uh, catch up. Okay, so. Let's say I think that there's some slightly unfair <laughs> tactics, but you think there's absolutely no, absolutely no cheating. cheating. Actually, there is one bit of cheating. Captain Russell tries the match fix. Oh, is that when he kicks the no, ball? No, uh, although that's that was a sharp practice, but entirely. But no, I suppose he's a bit cheaty. The, he tries to get Lasher to act on his side and oh, throw the game. Oh, yeah. But the Indians catch up with uh, match fixing as well, a statement which will get me in trouble. Uh, and indeed, the South Africans. Um, but... Um, but then he obviously the guy turns and does the odd thing. But Captain Russell is out of it. He's he's obviously the baddie. All the rest of the Brits yeah. behave to type, you know, with perfect decorum. I can confirm that the cantonment structure did indeed exist from the 18th century, a way of maintaining control by the Brits while keeping a discreet military distance from the urban centres so as not to make everything too obvious and annoy everyone. Um, I don't think there was one at Champana, though, as it happens. I did not check the veracity of the military uniforms. They look they look a bit like it ain't half hot, man, so clearly they're probably unacceptable. But, you know, I've really never been interested in that level of accuracy. There is, I suppose, the history of cricket. Would you like to hear a little bit little about the history of cricket in India? Yes, I think That's a good job, because I've prepared it, so you're going to get it anyway. Honestly, uh, cricket is apparently India's most popular sport by far. They have also imported other sports from colonialism, such as, for example, uh, they've imported other from sports. colonialism, British colonialism. Hockey is the answer that I was thinking of when I was a kid. Uh. You know, the Indians absolutely rocked it. Hockey, they were, we were nowhere near as good as them. Well, that's nowhere near as popular. You know what's quite a fun game to watch? It's great fun to game. Well, uh, they played least... it in a particularly, particularly thrilling way. Anyway, they were just brilliant at it well, when I, st- I was young. I started watching some Kabaddi. Oh, yes. Year. Well, in my 80s, when I was sports mad, I just essentially got in front of a telly and plugged myself in. Well, I got around to watching Kabaddi as well. Oh, that's pretty good. Good. Anyway, um, so, but it's, it's true to life. It's unlikely the villagers would have known anything about it at this time. It's still an import in 1893. The first Indian club was in Bombay mm-hmm. among the, the Parsi as early as 1848. But apparently the Parsi were not a grassroots lot 
Um, they didn't sort of mix very much around, around India, so it didn't spread out much from there. But official matches in India started between them, the Parsi and Europeans, in 1877. So you're getting the time scale. It's just starting off around the time of the mm-hmm. film. In the early 1900s, some Indians played cricket in the English county circuit and for the England national team. Rajit Singh scored 24,692 runs, Wolf, at an average of 56 per innings, which is, you know, obviously, as you'll know, anybody above 50 is a god. And then there's Don Bradman. He scored 72 centuries on the English first-class ticket, first-class cricket circuit, and actually played for England in 1896. Became a grassroots game in India from the start of the 20th century, largely because the Rajas, the Indian princes, adopted it as a way of creating events alongside traditional local festivals and things to, you know, for, to encourage village life and so on. Mm-hmm. The first official Indian, I've almost finished, the first official Indian team tour was in 1911. And they became a test-playing nation in 1932 and then started giving us a spanking like the rest of the world from the 1960s. Excellent. So there's a bit of history for you. In general, then, I can't claim this is a great on historical accuracy score. It feels pretty authentic, I guess, in atmosphere about the villagers and their roles and the kind of things they do and things that were important to them. Uh, so certainly the thing about the rains felt absolutely kind of on the button but there's not a lot and you know the stuff about the english taking all their customs and just playing them out in india you know it's reasonably true to life they don't you know from the end of the east india company any policy of mixing gets very much changed towards an imperial model and that's reflected at this time too you know these are not people who are marrying locally generally as they did under the east india company and trying to become part of any sort of hybrid society. So, you know, it's not, I don't think it's an outrage, but clearly these events didn't happen. So, thus far for historical accuracy. Anything to add to that, or should we just swiftly well, mark it? I only wanted to add, because the, I guess when it started, I was like, oh, this isn't, there's not, not much history in this movie at all. Yeah. Um, especially based on what we're going to talk about next and some of the other films that we've done um just wanted to make it clear i don't think that it diminishes it as a history movie because it is all about like what could have happened and we've watched i think we've just watched enough history movies over the years which pretend to be really detailed uh and reference all these things but they're changing so much that it becomes just as untruthful as if it had never happened in the first place controversial Okay. I mean, I no. Just... I mean, I know what you mean, actually, and I do think, broadly speaking, there's two type of historical movie that we tend to. Well, three types of historical movie. There's the abomination that is true crime, uh, which are mainly brought up by oh you, um, and then there's historical movies which are depicting real events and trying to be accurate um, or as accurate as they can be. Uh, and then there's films set in historical context. And, of course, my favourite history movie of all time is is one of those. And I think that's similar to this, isn't it? You know, it's in a yeah. historical context. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. I think all of those movies, they have different degrees of accuracy, but it's a lot of fictional stories for entertainment put into a historical context. 
um, to allow that story to happen the way that yeah. it would. Okay, so should we score it for historical accuracy first? Give it a score out of ten, Wolf. Um, how, if you dare. How do you, how do you score it if it's all a fictional story? Because it's not inaccurate tremendously, right? Because I think our next movie is going to be very, very inaccurate. Mm. Whereas and our next movie, movie being... Gladiator. Okay, okay. I just don't think, like... We've watched so many movies where we're like, it's a, it's a negative number because it's doing everything wrong. Yes. How do you rate Ooh, a let movie? Oh, let me think. Which... Can I think of one of those? Oh, Braveheart. Yeah. This movie's not doing any no. of that. It's just kind of made up a story. So if anything... I don't even know how to judge it because I almost think that it it shouldn't have a score. Ah, oh, like it scoreless in Gaza at Mill with the Slaves. Does it? That's a, do you agree? That's a bastard. I quote. Um, I kind of know what you mean. I'm going to say I'm going to go take a different approach and say okay. that clearly nothing happened uh, in this movie, um, and therefore it can't get a ten. But the context was realistic. And therefore, I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to give okay, it four fine. half marks. We 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 have the same kind of view. We're doing the same sort of thing, aren't we? Now, okay. as a film, Wolf, I um I'm going to give it an eight. But I think it's I think for like enjoyment, like how much I enjoyed this movie is a ten. Right. Okay, that's, a, that's a nice. We ought to have a refinement of the scoring system. I mean, I went for seven, but actually that doesn't reflect the dichotomy, which you are very accurate recording. You know, there are things wrong with the movie. It's not high art, but it is an absolute hoot. And three and a half hours, three hours, 50 minutes, you know, went like a puff of dust. So Can great. I ask one last question? Go. Who was your favourite character? I don't know that I had a fave to be honest. I mean, they all sort of did their job. I mean, Bavan was a kind of likeable sort of hero, but I think... And Gary was kind of like... But none of them... I don't know that I had one. I, and I also might agree that I don't necessarily have one, but I think that as, like, a group of 11, um, and thinking of, like, the Seven Samurai as well, where you're like, oh, Charles Bronson? Oh, and there's... Um, there's Yul Brenner, and oh, Steve McQueen. You're moving through the list. I think that they are really identifiable as individuals. Yes, and that is true. And I loved Ishmael overcoming his injury mm-hmm. um, to come in. I loved, um, I thought, um, is it Laka? Yeah. And his, his betrayal and his return to grace. Uh-huh. I thought that was thrilling stuff. Um, uh, Bagger, who couldn't catch. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. You had to on the yes. edge of my sheet. Uh, edge of my sheet um, <laughs> well you know she's important every every time Bagger had to make a catch so I know what they're doing but like it makes it the game is just so exciting uh, Kashra the mm-hmm. untouchable which we didn't mention there is like a yeah. little bit of a discussion about the cast system yeah. in this film which again it, it feels like it's done in uh, oh it's all again <sighs> feel good it all gets resolved beautifully and they overcome their um, social uh, differences but, you know which is yeah in part of great. the whole coming together so I was a bit like oh okay fine but I guess the overall message is still a positive one, mm. so I'm like, let's get on board with it. But yeah, his story, his bowling, his winning the game. Oh, gosh, when he gets those three out, oh, I couldn't yes. believe it. Gets a hat trick. He's on a hat. He's on a hat trick. Oh, I'm, I was just like swinging. <laughs> my my shirt was off, going around <laughs> yeah, over oh, my head. Yeah, excellent. And you're like, yes, yes. it's turning. Yeah. They're doing it. 
Um, I thought all of their individual kind of journeys that they had to go on. Oh, and I'd love to go. Has to keep who has the chickens. Oh yes, and there's all the kerfuffle about them winding up their chickens all the time. And then the chickens become useful because it teaches them how to do the fielding really well. Yeah, yeah. You know that kind of feel good thing. It reminds me of um, a lot of British films. Mm -hmm. Um, All the movies that I know you all enjoy, like when we watched Pride. The things that I get told off for liking, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Boot factories in Northampton coming good, that sort of thing. It's the way that they're like this group of like all these odd little individuals, and they're all quite comical. And then they have to like, I don't know. The story's just him catching chickens, and then they're like, "Quick, see if you can catch this ball." And then he does, and then they're like, "Wow, you're brilliant! You're going to be an excellent catcher." Yeah, I don't know. It's all that is nice, neat. It is neat. It is really nice. And you're quite right that you come out of the film, these people are diff- are individuals and you recognise them, which is quite difficult in a film with so many different characters yeah. in it. Uh, you know, often you get washed away with that kind of thing. And that they do that really well. It helps the fact that it's three hours, 50 minutes, of course, yeah. so they have a certain amount of time. But, you know, that's very good. Uh, so basically, would you advise somebody to go and see this movie? And if so, why? I think everyone should watch it. Um, I just thought it was... It's required. You can no longer listen to the History and Technicolor podcast unless you've watched Lagan. If you like cricket, for sure. I mean, I'm not that big of a cricket fan, and I really enjoyed it for the cricket. I thought the game was great. I thought it was just a really feel-good sports movie um, that I was surprised I'd never seen before. Yeah, and I, I love the singing and dancing. Great. Thank you very much. Right. Everybody... Do come on to the Facebook site and tell us what you think and try and watch it because, I mean, it really is fun. I know three hours, 50 minutes is long, but, you know, I, I swear to God you'll enjoy it. And, uh, but come along to the Facebook group and have an opinion, say what you think. Next time, Wolf and I will be back and we are going to do Gladiator because we decided, again, in our cynical grab for power and audience that we needed to do a crowd pleaser. Although quite what else there is to say about Gladiator, I don't know. Mm. But there we go. We're going to give it a shot next time. Okay? Yep. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for coming, Wolf. Thank, thank you, David. It's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Are you not entertained? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.